Some of you are going to find this a bit incredulous, but here's something that federal, state, and local governments all tell us to do that we should actually listen to. Eat more fruits and vegetables. You've heard about the health benefits of increasing plant-based nutrients into your diet, but how can you easily consume all the fruits and veggies needed? Well, it's easy. By adding Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity into your meals. Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity is a power blend that has 31 fruits and vegetables in every scoop. Organic vegetables, super greens, super fruits, and super sprouts. It is fortified with essential vitamins plus an immunity boost. And right now, you can get a free two-week supply of Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity by just paying $8.95 for the shipping and handling. And not only that, you'll also get a free frother to quickly whip up your healthy and nutritious grown American drink. Go to grownamericansuperfood.com forward slash John and order today. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. This is Sirius XM Progress. I'm John Fugelsang. Good evening and welcome to the Love Fest for Progress After Dark. Coming to you live... From the beautiful Los Angeles studios, Sam is here, helping us out on the boards. The great Chris Hauselt's our executive producer, way back there on the East Coast, where it's much later than here. The wonderful Thea Harper produces this show out of Brooklyn. I'm so glad to be with you. We have a really good show planned for you. We're going to cover a lot of ground, a lot of very different ground tonight. So get comfy, put this show on your favorite speaker, and uh, do not feel shy about joining the conversation. It was a pretty crazy day. Joe Manchin has put an end to months of speculation, announcing today he will not fire up a presidential campaign in 2024. He's been touring primary states the past three months. He was flirting a lot with no labels or being on their ticket. Not going to happen. I guess he realized there's other ways to make people dislike him. The New York Times reported today, behind the scenes, Donald Trump is telling his allies he's supportive of a national 16-week abortion ban. Right-wing douchebags, start your civil war. Greece has now become the first majority Orthodox Christian nation to legalize same-sex marriage under civil law. Using Census Bureau data, meanwhile, back here, the CDC has found the states that have the highest rate of residents affected by long-term COVID-related illnesses. Care to guess what the top five states are for long-term COVID-related illness? Well, it might shock you. They're all states that tend to believe the things that men like Donald Trump say. Montana, Oklahoma... Mississippi, Louisiana, and Alabama. Good for you, Arkansas, for staying out of that top five. Meanwhile, as we mentioned last night, uh, the FBI informant who was giving all the information about Joe and Hunter Biden's big bribery scheme, we had to sit through the Biden crime family all these months and months and months. He has now been indicted and charged with making it all up. The entire multi-million dollar bribery scheme involving Joe and Hunter Biden was a lie, a lie that was central to the Republican bullshit impeachment inquiry in Congress. And I read earlier today that Sean Hannity's show on Fox News ran with this guy's claims in at least 85 different segments last year, including 28 monologues. 
Sean Hannity spread this lie, 28 monologues, 85 separate segments. God, you'd think it was a lie about the first black president not being born here. But Sean said many times that Joe Biden engaged in public corruption on a scale this country has never seen before. And guys, why are we surprised anymore? I mean, the only thing that would ever surprise me about Sean Hannity is if the society that put up with his lies about Obama's birth certificate, that put up with his lies about WMDs, the way this guy attacked every American who didn't want to go to war in Iraq, if America ever held him to account for telling any lies, then I'd be shocked. But let's get to today's events, because it was a very eventful day. I got to tell you, your house picked a great time for a two-week vacation. Now, let me begin with this. Someday, Vladimir Putin is going to die. I know it's very sad. We're all going to get our ticket punched at some point. But when Vladimir Putin finally shuffles off his coil, maybe then we'll find out how many American politicians were on his payroll the whole time. You know, here's the thing about fascists. They generally tend to wind up being stupid. Their eyes get too big for their stomachs and their own greed blows it. I mean, Hitler tried to invade Russia. Napoleon tried to invade Russia. And Putin, well, he kept on trying and trying to murder a Russian who told the truth about Putin. And it appears he finally succeeded. And it's not going to turn out the way he'd hoped. This is the Vladimir Putin who killed about 300,000 people in two wars in Chechnya, including 14,000 Russian soldiers. This is the Vladimir Putin who's responsible for approximately 500,000 troops, both Russian and Ukrainian, being killed in the last two years. Vladimir Putin, praised by Trump, praised by Tucker Carlson, propped up by Republicans, enabled by Mike Johnson. He has added another kill to his count. And as you know by now, it was a very slow motion murder. Alexei Navalny, the political activist and lawyer, who was the most prominent opposition leader against Vladimir Putin. And it led to a documentary in 2022 that won the Academy Award for Documentary of the Year. Navalny has died at age 47 while imprisoned in an Arctic penal colony. According to all the news outlets, he died on Friday after collapsing after a walk at the Polar Wolf Prison, where he was serving a 19-year sentence for criticizing Vladimir Putin. We don't know all the details yet, but he seemed in good spirits. He was videotaped yesterday at a court appearance. He ended his hunger strike. He still looked a little skinny, but he was one of, if not the most harsh and persistent critic internationally of Vladimir Putin. He was an he he began his career as a right wing Russian nationalist. And we'll get to that. He started his career as a real white right wing guy. And over the years, he evolved and became an anti-corruption activist who also knew how to capture public attention. He wanted to do something about the tragic low life expectancies in Russia. He publicly called Putin a gangster and a criminal and a thief. He called him a thieving asshole. His hundreds of videos on TikTok made him very popular. And his many humorous jabs at Putin's corruption made him a marked man. If you watch the documentary, and you really should watch it this weekend, I think it's on HBO Max. There's a whole montage early in the film of Putin in interviews refusing to say his name. Now, he'd been raided. They had splashed toxic chemicals in his face. They poisoned him. He thought fame would protect him. That's his great failing. He thought he had become so famous they wouldn't be so stupid as to kill him. And this guy was a real activist. A decade after Arab Spring showed us the potential of Twitter for social change, Navalny showed us what TikTok and YouTube could do. And he was poisoned by Putin. He was put on a ventilator. And he survived. 
Joe Biden said in 2021 there would be devastating consequences for Moscow if Navalny were to die in prison. And he said simply in remarks today that we're contemplating what else can be done. But he had a very active Friday, and he gave reporters a lot to chew on regarding Russia and the sudden tragic death of Alexei Navalny, including astonishment at a Congress that cannot be moved to act on Ukraine funding after this. A1. More confident now that you'll get the Ukraine aid, given what's happened today? Well, I hope to God it helps. But, I mean, the idea we need anything more to get the Ukraine aid. I mean, I mean, this is in light of a former president's statement that saying Russia, if, if they haven't paid the dues to us, go get them. Come on. What are these guys doing? What are they doing? They're compromised, Joe. Time to start looking into Mike Johnson's past. Time to start looking into the dates around Mike Johnson and his wife adopting a young black man. Just just start looking into the dates. That's all I'm going to say. So in August of 2020, during the pandemic, Navalny got poisoned when he was visiting the town of Tomsk in Siberia. It's in the airport, and if you watch the documentary, they actually show it happened. And he was taken from Tomsk to the city Omsk um, and eventually moved to a hospital in Berlin. They landed his plane. He was supposed to die in the air, but they landed his flight. And when he was in Berlin, the test confirmed he was poisoned with Novichok which is the same substance Russian agents used to poison a spy in Salisbury, England in 2018. And when he got the news, he said, what the fuck? That's so stupid. But he was recovering. He got better. He came back and he could have stayed outside of Russia for the rest of his life and been a dissident activist. But instead, he went back January of 2021 and he was immediately arrested on his arrival. And since then, he has been in a cage and now he is in a coffin. Now, in the movie... Uh, to me, the best scene and the reason to watch it is at one point, one of his associates he's making this documentary with gets a hold of the names and phone numbers of the Russian officials they think planned his assassination attempt in the airport with the poison. And you've got to see this scene. It's it's unlike anything I've ever seen. I'm convinced this is the scene why it won the documentary. Navalny's on camera and he starts calling the men who he thinks tried to kill him. And he's pretending to be a Russian official who needs information. And the first guy hangs up on him. And the second guy hangs up on him. And the third guy, a scientist, falls for it and starts discussing the whole scheme. He says, why didn't it work? Why didn't it work in Tomsk? And the guy starts saying all the different reasons why the attack went wrong. But he assures him the victim was meant to die. Never knowing it's the victim himself. Never seen a scene like this in a documentary. And Navalny posted the video of this on YouTube. It got millions of views. <sighs> And, of course, probably sealed his fate. On Navalny's death, here's Joe Biden again. He was very, very clear today on who exactly he holds accountable. You know, like millions of people around the world, I'm literally both not surprised and outraged by the news. Reported death of Alexei Navalny. He bravely stood up uh, to the corruption, the violence, and the, the all the all the bad things that the Putin government was doing. In response, Putin had him poisoned. He had him arrested. He had him prosecuted for fabricated crimes. He sentenced him to prison. He was held in isolation. Even all that didn't stop him from calling out Putin's lies. Even in prison, he was a powerful voice for the truth, which is kind of amazing when you think about it. 
Navalny's wife, Yulia, who's also in the movie, she told Reuters today she wasn't even sure her husband was dead because Putin and his government lie incessantly. Now, you're going to hear a lot of pushback on this, especially on social media sites that are filled with Russian bots like Twitter for the controversy, because I began by telling you guys that he began his career as a pretty right wing guy. Like Nelson Mandela, he is someone who evolved a lot over the course of his career. Like Nelson Mandela, at one point, Amnesty International had to withdraw saying he was a prisoner of conscience because 17 years ago, he did a pro-gun rights video in Russia, and he was talking about having to keep Muslim terrorists from coming into the country. You might remember this was something that right-wing people here talked a lot about back in the 2000s. And he talked about how he was a certified nationalist. He was very right-wing back then. He said he wanted to exterminate flies and cockroaches while they showed pictures of terror suspects, Muslims, in the cutaway. At one point, he whips out a gun and shoots an actor wearing a kefia who, he said, tried to attack him. It was a 40-second, 42-second video released by the Russian National Liberation Movement, which is a right-wing nationalist group he had co-founded. And before he released it, he was kicked out of the oldest liberal Democratic Party for his nationalist views. And because he took part in the Russian March, which is an annual big right-wing nationalist white supremacist march they do. So that's who he was. And over time, he became more open, more woke, more aware of the corruption of the Putin regime. And that's what he began focusing on. And that's when he became a problem. I mean, if you watch the video, it looks like he's referring to terrorists, not all Muslims. In 2013, he ran for Moscow mayor on an anti-migrant platform. He came in second with 27% of the vote. But he stopped attending these marches. He toned down the nationalist rhetoric. He became all about anti-corruption. No one starts on a path wanting to be a martyr. Again, Nelson Mandela got his status as a prisoner of conscience taken away in 1964 because he defended political violence during his trial. I mean, it's strange to read about today because we think of Mandela as a saint. He wasn't at the time. Natalia Antonova said in Time magazine, I have seen Navalny grow from someone who seems slick and opportunistic at best to a man willing to put literally everything on the line, career, family, life, because he got tired of how the Russian state defrauds and humiliates his own people. So when you see him, the Muslim bigot, that was when he was right wing almost 20 years ago. Doesn't excuse what he did, but that's not why he was murdered. He was murdered by the nationalists. Gary Kasparov said Putin tried and failed to murder Navalny quickly and secretly with poison, and now he has murdered him slowly and publicly in prison. He was killed for exposing Putin and his mafia as the crooks and thieves they are. My thoughts are with the brave man's wife and children. I want to play one more clip of Joe Biden. Here he is celebrating Navalny's patriotism and activism, willing to surrender his freedom for the cause of his fellow Russian people, all at the hands of you-know-who. And he could have lived safely in exile after the assassination attempt on him in 2020, which nearly killed him, I might add. And but he uh, he was traveling outside the country at the time. Instead, he returned to Russia, he returned to Russia, knowing he'd likely be imprisoned or even killed if he continued his work. But he did it anyway because he believed so deeply in his country, in Russia. Reports of his death, if they're true, and I have no reason to believe it or not, Russian authorities are going to tell their own story. But make no mistake, make no mistake, Putin is responsible for Navalny's death. Putin is responsible. What has happened to Navalny is yet more proof of Putin's brutality. No one should be fooled, not in Russia, not at home, not anywhere in the world. 
Putin does not only target his citizens of other countries, as we've seen what's going on in Ukraine right now. He also inflicts terrible crimes on his own people. Now, we'll talk more about Navalny throughout the show, but I've also got to talk about how, you know, Donald Trump got away with fraud for years, years, decades, real estate fraud, tax fraud, bank fraud, education fraud. Well, he got caught on that, 26 million in fines. Charity fraud, got caught on that, 2 million in fines. Housing fraud, the Nixon administration indicted him 50 years ago for that. But today, the judge who presided over the civil business fraud trial against Trump and his company and his oldest sons, Fredo and Shemp, Judge Engeron ordered Donald Trump to pay $354 million for fraud. Pretty much all his available cash. I mean, he's prohibited from doing business in the state of New York for three years. The Trump Organization is banned from applying for loans from any New York chartered financial institutions. His two sons are banned from New York business for three years. Mary Trump said, it's the end of my grandfather's legacy. Donald Trump has now blown everything he inherited from both Barack Obama and Fred Trump. Letitia James had been seeking $370 million, and Trump was calling this a crime with no victims. It was just banks, contractors, employees, investors, consumers. No, no victims. Just schmucks who actually pay their taxes. Like Mar-a-Lago, it's been appraised at being $18 million to $27 million. Trump said it was worth $612 million. 40 Wall Street, it's been appraised at $540 million. Trump said it was appraised at $735 million. Seven Springs is worth $30 million. Donald Trump said it was worth $291 million. <laughs> he committed fraud to cheat everyone to make more money. And it has nothing to do with the witch hunter politics. It has everything to do with the fact that he could have kept on getting away with this for decades. But he had to run for president and sign up to live under the brightest spotlight on earth. You cannot be that kind of fraudster and commit those kind of crimes while you are living under this kind of microscope. And isn't this the case where Alina Habba didn't check the jury box? Well done. Her expertise just cost Trump half a billion dollars. The judge said their complete lack of contrition and remorse border on the pathological. He went on to say the accusation of inflating asset values to make money was not a mortal sin. But he said the defendants are incapable of admitting the error of their ways. Instead, they adopt a see-no-evil-hear-no-evil-speak-no-evil posture that the evidence belies. Now... A lot of folks are going to say the judge is biased. Our judicial system is weaponized. Trump has spent months calling Tish James a hack, calling the judge hostile. It was a long trial, and Trump is still maintaining his properties are worth much more. This is the second verdict against him this year after the 83.3 million verdict in the E. Jean Carroll defamation trial next month. And I want to just say one thing. This could not have happened without the work of journalists. People like, like Ross Butner and Sue Craig in the New York Times, uh, Tim O'Brien, who's on NBC all the time, and two people I've had the honor of interviewing, David K. Johnston, who's done this show many times and has covered Trump's finances for years, and the great, late Wayne Barrett of The Village Voice, who did our TV show as well. Donald Trump hurt a lot of people, from the contractors he didn't pay to the Americans who are dead from COVID because they believed him, his own family members, and his fake evaluations can't help him anymore. Although Scientologist Elena and Grant Cardone have set up a GoFundMe to help him pay it all off. They are seeking uh, $400 million, and so far they've raised 12204 from 296 donors. So if you want to help your billionaire, please, you can go over there and the Scientologist will help you. But what is amazing about this is, this has revealed his bluster about his business skills has always been a con. 
Now, we don't know when he's going to have to come up with the money. They'll appeal it forever. The provision in the ruling bars Trump from applying for any loans in New York to the next three years, so it could make it hard for him to get the bond he would need to post with the court as he appeals the decision. But by election night, he will most likely be a convicted felon, and he'll still be claiming fraud that another election he honestly lost was stolen from him. So in closing, it's a lot to take in. We will help you make sense of it. We'd love to hear your thoughts tonight. I just want to say I, I hope the Navalny family sues Vladimir Putin. And if that lawsuit ever happens, Mr. Putin, allow me to recommend to you the excellent legal services of one Alina Haba. She'll do you right. Okay, we're going to take a very, very quick break. And when we return, I am so excited to welcome our first guest of the evening. John Oakes is the author of The Fast, The History, Science, Philosophy, and Promise of Doing Without. I promise it's a lot healthier than everything I've been discussing. We'll be right back with your calls. This is Progress. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey everybody, it's Michael Steele, host of the Michael Steele Podcast. Each week, I discuss key political and cultural issues joined by America's leading activists, experts, and academics for conversations that transcend political boundaries. And that's the point. I want you to join me as we work through real solutions, have honest conversations, just keeping it real, and having a little fun on the side. So listen to the Michael Steele Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts on, because you know I love it when you do. So welcome back. We'll be taking your calls all evening at 866-997-GRIT. Right now, I want to talk about health a little bit. In recent years, as you know, fasting has become more and more popular for many, many reasons. There's health advocates who see it as a method to lose weight or detox. There's folks who do it in prayer, people seeking mindfulness, activists who use it for hunger strikes, fasting for justice, fasting for faith, fasting for connection, fasting for health. There's many reasons to. But what's the science behind it? And what is the right kind of fasting? And why is it so easy to do it so wrong. A new book looks at the very complex science behind the biological phenomena that happens in our bodies when we fast. And I'm so pleased to welcome John Oakes to the show. He's the publisher of the Evergreen Review. He's editor-at-large for OR Books, which he co-founded in 2009. He's written for many publications, including the Oxford Handbook of Publishing, Publishers Weekly, the Review of Contemporary Fiction. But his new book, 
is based on extensive historical, scientific, and cultural research and reporting. It is called The Fast, The History, Science, Philosophy, and Promise of Doing Without. And I'm on a day with so much crazy news stories like this. It is a pleasure to talk about something positive and healthy. John Oakes, welcome to SiriusXM. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, John. It's really a pleasure to be here. Well, thank you. I learned so much from this book. And as someone who thinks he knows what he's talking about, I mean, many of us who were raised Catholic think we understand fasting and we really, really don't. And there's a lot of fad diets out there, but it doesn't mean they reflect the actual science. Let me let me start with the dumbest question. What motivated you to write this book now? Well, <laughs> uh, it was really um, thanks to our former president um, uh, after Trump got out of office, I just really genuinely wanted to purge him from my system. <laughs> I just I just wanted to get rid of this Trump sensation I was carrying around with me under, like, day and yeah. night. Get the toxins and, out, right? Yeah, get the toxins yeah exactly. Out. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, I'm with and you. And so <laughs> I had uh, done a long fast many years before with my partner, and I just Sp really spontaneously decided to do it again. And I undertook a long fast uh, together with her. And uh, along the way, I got interested in the science and philosophy and politics of fasting. And I think it is a very political act or can I be. I think so too. Yeah. And, um, and that's how I got into it again. Well, I, I, I want to ask you about that because I, I understand a little bit about metabolic switching that's induced by fasting and how it can actually really renew you and, and, and help you and heal us down to our cells. And your book really gives a, a smart, accessible look, even for a mook like me, about how complex the science is behind the phenomena that occur in the human body when we it's fast. Go ahead, please. Oh, I'm sorry. It's really amazing. It's, I mean, everyone's body is different, but there's this incredible machinery that uh, starts in motion when you begin to fast. And it even can start after a few hours, but it really begins to kick in after two or three days. I mean, as I say, it depends on the person. And by the way, I, you know, I'm not so much a proselytizer for fasting. I don't think it's necessarily what everyone should do and i don't think it cures everything but um certainly some of the lessons that we can get from fasting are something that we can all reflect on and um just how much we consume and and why and if it's necessary yeah well, I mean, you. this is what the book's about, and you, we hear this term fasting so much, and I, I think most of us just think, it, you know, abstaining from food. But this is a book about how fasting is really so much more than this. For those who haven't yet read your book, sir, what, what is fasting really about? Fasting is about not consuming or not indulging in something you have the opportunity to indulge in. In other words, if you're starving, that's not fasting. If you're, if it's uh, imposed on you, that's not fasting. It has to be. It's a an active agency. It's a asserting yes. your will, and it's a decision that you take. And uh, earlier, you mentioned um, you were mentioning uh, this terrible tragedy around Navalny. Yes. He was a, a hunger striker, and I mean, at any given moment, people are fasting all around the world, all sorts of different religions um, for all sorts of causes. 
And of course, people do it for health. And I, I don't want to downplay that. There does seem to be a lot of solid evidence that giving your body a break uh, is a way, as you put it, to re uh, reset, give your body a chance to reset and renew itself. But I think there are also a lot of people who push it too hard. You know, I mean, uh, yeah. as a, we're all different and, and we all react differently to some of the same stimuli. Well, let me quote you. You say, um, fasting is about much more than food. Fasting reminds us of the virtues of holding back, of not consuming all that we can. It is about taking control of your life in new and empowering ways and reconsidering your place in the world. Whether for philosophical, political, or health-related reasons, fasting marks a departure from daily routine. It involves doing less, but doing less in a radical way. I mean, in many ways, this is about impulse control. And yeah, this goes way beyond not eating. Yes, I think that that is what I found. And I think when you undertake a fast, as uh, if you observe Lent, for example, we're in the middle of Lent. Yeah. And um, it just it's a great way to get off, I guess, what you might call the treadmill of daily life. And then you can get back on. And I think that's also important that it have you have limits i mean if limitless fasting is uh is when you're anorexic and yeah uh, it's a mental disorder and that's a bad thing uh but i think for all of us um if you're in reasonably good health then you know, probably you know people should check with their doctors or whatever but uh, for me it's it's been great it's it's been a very helpful thing to do and i well, don't mean so much in terms of health but just spiritually it's a great thing well, th that fascinates me, but let me let me do the science first because I mean I've I've heard how fasting can help people with obesity or diabetes or epilepsy or neurodegenerative disorders. Can you can you give us a brief overview, sir, of of the biology behind it? How does fasting affect our bodies and our minds? So when you first start to fast, um, basically your enteric nervous system, which is the nervous system that uh, goes through your gut, it's sometimes called the brain in the gut sends all these signals to your to your brain and your head saying you know what are you doing to me i'm i'm starving i'm really hungry and you've got to give me some food and it that's when willpower kicks in and you try and uh when you've made a commitment not to eat and mm -hmm. then over a period of time hor these hormones this cocktail of hormones kicks in these things called ketone bodies that i'm sure mm -hmm. you've heard about yes serotonin heard yeah, yeah serotonin which is sometimes called the happy hormone mm -hmm. ghb there there's this incredible alphabet soup of chemicals that your body starts releasing and then about day two or three um you you reach a sort of a plateau and you're not so anxious about the food anymore and some people as uh, Cesar Chavez, the great labor leader, who was a inveterate faster. He said that his memory was became crystal clear, and he could recount entire conversations. That's never happened to me, but wow. um, people seem to feel much better. And uh, you know, it's it. How long yeah, did he go? How, how long did he did he did he go to achieve that that kind of clarity? He did. Uh, of several fasts and i think they were really long they were like 20 to 30 days and um i i you know i as i say i don't recommend that kind of thing to anyone but 
some people do that. And uh, I suppose if you're monitored and you're taking lots of liquids, uh, it, it it would be something that that you could do. I mean, yeah. people pay thousands and thousands of dollars to to do this kind of thing in a spa. But of course, you don't need that. You can. Right. That's one of the great things about fasting. You can do it on your own. Yeah, but and yet, it, for some reason, it's at an all-time high in popularity. I mean, it's actually gone from being a, a biblical thing to being kind of a fad. What do you think is behind this recent resurgence in popularity for fasting? I think in some measure, it might be people like me, a reaction to Trump, you know, who's all about... <laughs> I, I really mean it. It's all I, about I respect that, yeah. He's about consumption of of sex and energy and food and money, whatever he can think of, he wants to consume it. And, you know, there's a a reaction to that and, and people thinking, you know, you don't really need to live that way. You can maybe live a, a richer life by consuming less and taking mm-hmm. measure of what you consume. And you also show in the book that while fasting for weight loss is misguided, um, it, you know, it, it does have fasting does not work as a dieting technique, but it is useful for detoxing and refreshing and just rebalancing the body. Yeah, that's totally right. I mean, uh, people tend to I think everyone regains their weight if uh, after fasting. I mean, if you're eating normally, it's, it's just I think 80 percent of your weight is genetic, genetically preordained. And so it's very, very hard to lose weight through uh, fasting, even intermittent yeah. fasting. But um, now, it can be very good for you. I, I understand the, the fasting for health and that it can reinvigorate the immune system and, and it hits a reset. And um, and it helps us and helps us protect against damage in, in, in theory. And, and for many of us, that's the effect. What about fasting for connection? I mean, you write about how it can be a great collective unifier. Yeah. How does that, yeah. How does that work? You know, I think when you have a shared experience like that, I'm thinking, for example, of the Brown University students who are fasting. They went on a week-long fast to express solidarity with Palestine. And of yes. course, they didn't achieve their goals, right? But in all committing to this fast together, they shared something that outsiders you can't, it's hard to appreciate. And I think that it's sort of a it's a binding agent saying, you know, we we're all committing to this cause and we're making this a palpable example of it. Yeah. You mentioned Lent, um, which just began two days ago. But this is throughout all the world's great religions. I mean, Islam, uh, Judaism, Buddhism, Hinduism, all of the faiths have some form of this, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. And of course, we're coming up also on Ramadan, which is in mm-hmm. begins this year in March. And uh, and in Judaism, uh, it's there are several yeah. fast days throughout the calendar. About the only religions that don't have fasting are Sikhism and Zoroastrianism. And the huh. Sikhs, the Sikhs in their holy book, they say they're against fat. They you're not supposed to fast. Uh, because to differentiate yourself from Hindus and Muslims. And the Zoroastrians say they don't fast because they believe we're put on this earth to fight evil and fasting weakens the body. And of course, I would say that if you fast carefully and judiciously, 
it uh, it uh, I don't want to get into an argument with Zoroastrians. <laughs> no, you I don't want to mess with them. Respectfully, respectfully disagree. <laughs> well, and I guess the Scientologists aren't really big on it either, but they're full of great fitness <laughs> tips. And you know, if you smoke enough cigarettes, you can stay thin anyway. Um, but it seems like with most of the world's great religions, they do have this sort of tradition of of you know the the aesthetics who master self-deprivation to an extreme. They're always believed, like Siddhartha, to be closer to, to God, closer to, to enlightenment or sainthood. Although, as some Buddhists pointed out to me, it's very important to remember that when Buddha went on his long fast of 49 days, which, by the way, showed that he could outlast Moses, because uh, this was before the Bible was written, um, he came out of it saying that this was not the right path to enlightenment that you yeah. really should take the middle way and the middle way means you might do some fasting but you don't go to these extremes of uh putting your body in danger and that right that is a not something i mean that is something you want to avoid yeah. You, you mentioned that Mr. Navalny had, of course, uh, engaged in a hunger strike as well. And, you know, we talk all the time about Gandhi's hunger strikes in India or Bobby Sands um, when he was in prison for the IRA. But it seems like even though fasting for justice is a, a social or political act, it, it seems like it's also really related to the spiritual pursuits, right? It's 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 totally. all about purity of intent. It's it's all about totally. shining a light on cruelty. It seems like it's inseparable yeah. from the spiritual elements of fasting. Yeah, it's a way to signal the purity of purpose, saying that I'm willing to put my life on the line. I believe it, that I've been wronged. That I'm not I'm I'm not in dialogue with the people who have wronged me. And this is a way of. Uh, forcing dialogue because even if people as in navalny's case even if they're force feeding you as happened at guantanamo bay by the way that was the largest mm -hmm. force feeding mass force Oof. feeding in history um it's it's a way of forcing the authorities to engage with you and uh uh in a way they don't like to be to do because it's chaotic and of course dangerous yes. and a prison authority wants order, wants a prisoner to stay in his or her cell and to behave, not to refuse the food and and to threaten to kill themselves. You're right. So I guess the big question is, while writing the book, I know you embarked on a few different fasts yourself. What was your biggest lesson you learned from your very firsthand experience? I guess it's an overused word, John, but for me, it was empowerment. I felt coming out of there, um, I mean, it, I didn't feel like Superman or anything, but I did feel a certain comfort and calm and knowing that, you know, I, I know that I can comfortably go eight or nine days without food, as long as I have enough to drink, that it won't kill me. And it was interesting to find that, you know, I'm not a very athletic person, but to find that I and I think most of us have that inner strength, that core that can carry us through some very tough times if need yeah. be. The book is truly fascinating. I thought I understood fasting. I learned a whole lot, both in terms of the health aspect, the political aspect and the spiritual aspect. What is the best way, Mr. Oaks, for our listeners to follow you and learn more about your work? Well, uh, I mean, I guess that's that's an invitation for me to say to buy the book. Yes. But uh, <laughs> it's called The Fast. 
and it should be available at uh, any any bookstore, local bookstore, and right on. Uh, Thank you. Well, I know you're. I know you're not on Twitter, which I do respect. But I thank you very, very much. I love your book, and I learned a whole lot. Again, the book is called "The Fast: The History, Science, Philosophy, and Promise of Doing Without." The author is, of course, Mr. John Oakes. Thank you so much for joining us on a Friday night to talk about this excellent work. I learned so much from it. Thank you very much for having me on. Thank you. It's rare to find something that encompasses health, politics, and spirituality as fully as this book does. We got to take a quick break. We'll be right back with your calls in just one moment. This is Progress After Dark. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. People of Earth, we are blessed to be joined by TV's Frank, who is a television legend, uh, someone I've gotten to work with in radio and on stage and on TV many, many times. He, of course, began his career writing for the Peabody Award-winning series Mystery Science Theater 3000, where he played TV's Frank. He went on to be a writer, producer, and actor on the ABC TV series Sabrina the Teenage Witch. And, of course, he was a producer on the Drew Carey Show as well. And... He is doing these shows with Trace Bellew, his fellow mad scientist from Mystery Science Theater. The Mads are back. Be sure to follow Frank and Trace to find out when they are going to be doing their live shows. Uh, I was going to take a call first, but my God, after a joke like that, TV's Frank, please come and, and play FEMA and, and, and help with the no, cleanup. You're, Chris you, you just won't get any cleanup from me. I, it was I, perfect. I, it was perfect. I, I, quite, I quite enjoyed that joke, I must say. <laughs> the only thing when, when a joke... Like that is said, uh, the only thing that's bad for me is that I regret that I didn't say it myself. <laughs> I'm glad Loved you heard it. that. And I, I think you probably enjoyed that joke more than you would have enjoyed the, the conversation on fasting we just had. How are you, Frank? How, how's it going? Oh, my God. Um, yeah. I'm I'm doing good. Um, I, and I fasted when I uh, after my heart surgery because I had no appetite. It's a great way to lose weight, not eating food. Let me tell you. Yeah, so I understand that. I think the be- the, the uh-huh. fastest ways to lose weight are uh, starvation or a uh, disease. I think the the best ways. Yeah, just not having any interest in eating anything is for, is the one thing in my life that's worked for losing weight. But isn't that what Ozempic's all about? I mean, that the Ozempic craze is that it just slows your appetite and you just don't oh, feel it? like eating. Oh yeah, that's why it's becoming um, so huge, and they think it's going to affect our entire economy. Oh, I didn't know about that. I, I, oh, yeah. I, I just thought if you say Ozempic backwards, it goes back to the uh, realm where it came from. I know I'm thinking of Mr. Mixelplixit. Very clever. Yeah, that's Mr. Mixelplix. <laughs> Frank, how did the Mads show go this week? It went great. It was really fun. And um, 
We had um, Kim Howard Johnson was our guest, who's written several books on Monty Python, um, and so he was fascinating. Oh, very to nice. To. Did and, he did he talk uh, at all about the big uh, idle cleese rift that's yes, blown up we, in the last we week? Did. He he said that it's no big deal. They're always they've been like that forever. You know. It's, yeah, I had no idea. It's, it's kind of just um, a typical thing with them. But but I I I I, I, I did a joke in the. Uh, I did a riff in the film that I, I only would have come up with only because I was on your show and we had Liam Gallagher or, or Noel Gallagher, right? <laughs> Noel Gallagher, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, and and these two men were were punching each other and fighting on a spaceship and I said, uh, <laughs> Noel and Liam Gallagher in, in the studio together. Nice. And I only, and I, because I had no idea, I only knew about that whole thing talking to you after we had it is just you know i wasn't that familiar with the music of the oasis oh yes i'm aware you weren't aware of the uh, oasis but maybe at some point you'll 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 listen to to some of their stuff from the mid 90s and uh you know uh and let, let us know well, your thoughts he's on a, you know the, i i i've read a lot of uh you know i read a lot of books about music history and i and his name comes up a lot you know no he's the uh, real deal and they all love him mccartney mccartney and, and bono and they all yeah. they all love no they love and noel also, gallagher they don't hang out with liam but they hang out with noel yeah and like the kind of next generation that came along were kind of like tried to emulate him he was like a beacon for people i mean it's really true was a big and, deal yeah yeah and all that 90s brit pop as well i mean blur yeah and, exactly, you know, pulp, exactly. And it was really then they were all fine bands but oasis was the one that that got I, the most I, hype and Still gets I saw the most this in, in a book I, I just read. I don't have the author's name handy, but it's called Exit Stage Left, and it's about pop stars, mostly British pop stars, mm-hmm. after the after their initial success, what their lives are like um, after they've kind of washed up and and um, and their lives after their pop stardom. And it's really fascinating. And a lot and some of the stories are sad. Some of them are actually very inspiring about people. Yeah figured out how to really live their life and you know great i recommend the book really good i remember when that book came out uh, speaking yeah. of people who know how to live their life frank um i'd love to know if you have any thoughts about uh donald trump's very interesting friday where uh there's differing reports of how much he's going to have to pay but it roughly seems to be hovering around the 354.9 million with an extra 98 million i mean they're thinking it's 453.5 million is the total that donald trump owes as of today oh that's like once one season of friends residuals i mean that's a lot of money (laughs) it really Uh, is but uh uh, you know that's the thing though is he ever going to pay any of it probably not right i mean he just has a history of never, never paying uh, what I guess he paid in the. That's the kind Trump of ironic, Univers- huh? The Trump University thing. I guess he he had to pay up on. He that. paid twenty six million for Trump University. Uh-huh. He paid two million for the crooked Trump Foundation, mm-hmm. but now he's on the hook for half a billion in just the last mm-hmm. month alone. I mean, to me, Frank, I think I think it's done. You know, like like he's been able to get away with fraud his whole life. Because he did it in New York real estate and no one cared. And he had this yeah. like superhero alter ego. But when he decided to be president, when he decided to live under the greatest microscope that Ooh. has ever been created for humanity, it gets a lot harder to get away with fraud. And I well, think that ultimately his ambition is what is what turned the spotlight on him. And that's what brought all this to light. Well, it's a it's a great tribute to uh, Letitia James because uh, someone I was watching someone 
you know, Andrew Cuomo didn't do shit about any of this. Like other attorney generals did not pursue this. Like there, there yep. I think so, there was yeah. some kind of sense in New York that don't go after Donald Trump. It, it well, I mean, Cy Vance was looking into it. Yeah, Cy Vance didn't off. do shit with anything. I mean, I know he, he was he was and it, and it was ridiculous when you go to vote. I remember he was like the only one on the ticket for for uh, district attorney. Like there wasn't even anyone running against him, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, so, you know, New York is is kind of like that. And, uh, um, you know, we 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 in New York, we can't really feel superior to the rest of the country. And they're shitty politicians because we're <laughs> like we're like Donald Trump, Rudy Giuliani, Eric Adams, uh, Andrew mm-hmm. Cuomo. Like we have a whole yeah. litany of shitty politicians that we. I know. I know. To. It makes you long for the days of Elliot Spitzer, doesn't it, Frank? Yeah. I mean... And and when we have now like uh, Merrick Garland nationally, who's just barely getting shit done, you know. Uh, and waited forever. This a lot of this yeah. Trump stuff could have happened years ago. Thank um, you. And, and as and I, I say this every time I come on your show, no Democrats are doing nothing about the Supreme Court, about Clarence nothing. Thomas, and about the nope. corruption that's going on there. We so are God watching... bless God bless Latisha James, someone who comes along who actually has the initiative to do do this kind Testify. of testify. Yeah, I was saying before we are watching. Clarence Thomas wag his junk at the Constitution as he takes in hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars of luxury gifts and yeah. trips. And we are grilling a black woman over going Dutch with her boyfriend who she works with on a yeah. hundred dollar dinner tap. I mean, it's just insane. Yeah. Yeah. It's, Good times. It's, it's ridiculous. So. Let's go to the phones. I, I, it's been a very busy week, Frank. This week began Ooh. very, very simply with a Super Bowl. And then, boy, along the way, I mean, remember Monday we were talking about weird Jesus washing feet ads. We thought that's all the week was going to be. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's before the mass shootings and the mass settlements and everything else. And Navalny being murdered in slow motion. Um, let's go to the phones. Lisa is on the line from New Mexico. Lisa, welcome. You're on Sirius XM with uh, TV's Frank, Frank Conniff. Hi there. Hi, Frank. Hi. Hi, Lisa. Are you opening for Rob Reiner right now? <laughs> yes, Rob Reiner's on in the next hour, Frank. Oh, I oh, I love the idea of uh, of opening for Rob Reiner. I it's it's was You're a highlight a highlight of my um, uh, career when we had Rob Reiner on when I was when we had him live on the Fugelsang show. And um, I remember, like, I made him laugh. and that, You did like, make him laugh. I, I, I won't <laughs> stop talking about that, you know. <laughs> and he's he's so amazing because when you're hanging out with Rob Reiner, he just seems like this regular guy. Like he You forget. Put on, any, put on any airs. And, yeah, you exactly. You forget that he's, like, one of the all-time A-list show That's business it. people of all time i mean you, know? you, you i mean like i grew yeah. up watching all in the family i mean i grew up yeah. watching spinal tap it was the same with his father by the way like you'd sit yeah. and like nice old guy he'd be so funny and so smart you'd be so engaged and then you'd be like yeah. holy shit you 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 did the jerk you did you did fucking all dyke of me show. and the dick van dyke yeah. show yeah them reiners what's on your mind yeah. tonight lisa great family yeah well, also, I saw you on Alien Super Show, and that was fantastic also. John. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That was fun. Nice. A word, John. Yes. Excuse me. I think uh, like a week ago, you were telling me that we were all going to owe Merrick Garland an apology. 
And then I just said, now no, I, I said, maybe we'll owe Merrick Garland an apology. We'll see. <laughs> We're still waiting to find out if Merrick Garland's going to owe us an apology or no, if Joe Biden's going to owe us an apology for Merrick Garland. Well, there's that. Yeah. Anyway, I want you to stop being a Debbie Downer about Navalny. What were you, friends? The man was an. The man was the most famous leader of the Russian opposition, and he was murdered. I mean, they tried to kill yes, him so many probably times. Probably like six months ago. He anyway. died today. It was the best man at my wedding. <laughs> did you see the movie I about like him, Lisa? Joke. I Lisa, like your dad you joke, Chris. Yes, you I know the- all about him. You spent the whole first hour talking about him. I get it. He was first great. twenty minutes. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, it well, was a great week. That shit show in Georgia. That was a disaster. That guy getting arrested that lied to the FBI. This has been a fantastic week. It's been a fantastic week. There's been a lot of good things. Donald Trump is on the hook. The entire Biden crime family bullshit narrative blew up completely. I mean, when you get past, you know, you know, mass shooting at a parade, it was a pretty nice week. I also love I I also love um, what an absolute, and I know there's nothing really that unusual about this, but what an absolute fool of himself, Tucker Carlson, Thank made you. himself oh out God. to be in, in How Russia. How about that timing, too? Unbelievable the timing? timing of it. It's almost as if Putin, because Putin was like kind of contemptuous of him in their interview, you know. They and, uh, each other. It and, and it's almost like like Putin killed the guy just to make Tucker Carlson look bad, you know. <laughs> Oh my God! I mean, this okay, is literally Tucker Carlson was Tucker Carlson was uh, was was being interviewed by this Egyptian journalist on stage because he flew there, there to, uh, to the I think it's to Munich to the Economic Forum, mm-hmm. and, and they asked him about Putin and why didn't you ask about Navalny? And he said, "Look, every president kills people. My president kills people. Mm-hmm. That was his answer." This rat bastard who goes on his fraud show and claims to care all about free speech, right? That's Tucker and Elon's big crown jewel in their kingdom of bullshit. We care about free speech, and they don't. This is anyone who is defending Vladimir Putin never gets to pretend they care about free speech because Vladimir Putin will kill anyone who tells the truth about him. We saw it with Prigozhin, who was his evil henchman, and now we saw it with Navalny. He is willing to murder on both ends of the morality spectrum. People need to understand he's a monster again. They do. He's a monster. He's yes. not a good man. The Republicans love him. You know, I yes, think Trump are. Trump has made it. Uh, I think p- part of Tucker's behavior is that Trump, uh, you know, Trump has made it really OK for conservatives and, and some far left people to uh, really just unabashedly support authoritarianism. That's right. You know, that it's a good thing. And There's uh, a million people so, t- Tucker, Tucker, you know, in Russia talking about how great it is and, and how, you know, cheap the groceries are and, and all this that stuff. That video, that yeah, video of the train station. Holy shit. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, it's, it's like, and, you know, and it's like 10 years ago, like a conservative would have been ostracized for for being so pro-Russia. Now, because of Trump, it's all turned around and Trump has never uttered a single criticism of Putin ever never, in his never. life. He was blatantly in his pocket uh, from the start. Um, and and other right. Republicans, they're so they're so sycophantic to uh, Trump that now they 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 are getting on board and, are, and or have been getting on board and, yes. and just supporting uh, and hoping that in, in a few years, Putin and Trump will be ruling the world together and we'll all be That's under it. their authoritarian uh, 
Ooh. How aspirational with Vice President yeah. Tucker. Lisa, thank you for the call. Sean and Callie, you are on with Frank Conniff. Good evening. Hey, brother. So, uh, you know, a lot of good things happening today. And, uh, you know, I'm saying uh, here's what I, let me give the take on what I think about Donald Trump being ordered, you know, with the three hundred fifty three million. Please do. Number one, nobody who's ever going to do real estate in the world is going to want to touch him with a 10-foot pole. They already don't. This is why he borrows all of his money from Deutsche Bank, because no American bank will lend to him anymore. And Deutsche Bank is going to have to try to recover. So my point is, is that when this big thing is, and people are saying, oh, he's not going to have to pay it back, it's going to have to be in appeals and all that kind of stuff, his brand is dead. Dead, yeah. dead, 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 dead. And no one's going to want to do business with it. They said, <laughs> you fucked up, Donald. I ain't ever doing business with you. Fuck you. You know, you're done. That's how we'll these see. business people work. Maybe. I think there's going to well, be, there's still a lot well, of people who will be very happy Russia. to be in business with him. There's still going to be a lot Russia. of evil people with capital. Yeah, but Russia. Not, I, I, I think Korea. The, not, not people, I don't think people, even however conservative they may be, People who's who who put a uh, a premium on the idea of making money. I don't know if they're going to be in business with him because, like, I don't know if you can make money with Donald Trump, like investing in things with him, because yeah. he is he is terrible at it, and he's been and he's he as you know he's been terrible at it forever, and yeah. the whole idea of him as a great, incredibly brilliant art of the deal real estate mogul was was always fiction it was always a fiction created and Absolutely. and promoted by, by the show the apprentice you know That's which right. which portrayed him as this this as this great guru and we know and we know from new york times reporting that at the time he was doing the apprentice he was like in debt and he got, went bankrupt yeah. with everything but they made a set, Frank. They made a set in his they apartment building set. that looked like a CEO boardroom so he could pretend he was be, a CEO and, then, and not a landlord. And then because, yeah, and then because of The Apprentice, um, he was able to sell the Trump name um, as a brand. And, and his name is on buildings Absolutely. all over the world where other people run it. It's just his name. And, th- and that was how he finally like started making really good money. Um, and, and had a really good business of just selling his name to gullible people who, who, who <laughs> put his, his, his name. But, but that's probably all licensor. gone now, too. He's a, that, well, you know yeah. it is. He's a brand licensor. That's yeah. the only thing he was really uh, successful at. Because don't forget, the reality show started going under. The reality show was tanking. And only when he shifted. Remember, The Apprentice mm. was originally about young business people who wanted to break in. And when that mm. began tanking, it became about um, celebrities who were desperate enough for a 15th minute of fame. They would pretend to respect mm. Donald Trump. And once it became a, a, a celebrity cast off show and got trashy, mm. that sort of rejuvenated yeah. the entire model. But that's what <laughs> saved his career. That and the brand licensing. Hey, schadenfreude, that's I am taking a lot of happiness in this, and I don't do that with anyone, um, you know, who goes through hard times, except in this case, he's a traitor. He tried to overturn, you know, destroy my country, and now he's getting at least a little bit of accountability. So I'm going to be happy, damn it. I'm not into into that either. 
But I, I, I will say I take uh, delight in the suffering of people who don't know what schadenfreude means. That Those people, <laughs> I, I, del- I revel in their suffering. Sean, thank you very, very much for the call. We're at 866-997-4748. Frank, did you have any thoughts on the entire Biden crime family narrative exploding into a million violent little pieces last night after Sean Hannity did 85 monologues on it? Uh, The FBI informant, we were told, was so credible for so many months, has now been Mm -hmm. indicted for lying to the FBI. Mm -hmm. Hunter Biden is going to be getting some E. Jean Carroll dollars from his lawsuits when this is all over. Yeah, well, the thing about it is it's it's just so not surprising. And, and, you know, the whole Hunter Biden, I still have never really understood the Hunter Biden laptop. Like, you know, I don't I don't they the Republicans have never made it clear what exactly or they they tried to make up things about uh, about Joe Biden being complicit with Hunter Biden. I know that Hunter Biden was a drug addict and probably did some fucked up things. Yeah. Um, and, and, and then they, you know, they tried to uh, um, uh, like in, indict Biden on the fact that he that he loves his son and was I compassionate know. towards him when he was going through drug addiction and, and all of that. And and reaching out and and loving his, they really like tried to make a political. <laughs> they can't issue stand that out of out of Joe Biden loving his son, um, you know, because we, you know, um, it's kind of uh, insulting to the Donald, Trump family. Donald Donald Trump has spent more time with Hunter Biden than he has with <laughs> Eric or Don Jr. You know, uh, I mean, it's and it's funny with Trump, like his family members are just not uh, Melania, like. Uh, has been nowhere to be seen not like not on valentine's day not ever like i know she's and 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 i'm sure she's just off into her own world and and doesn't want to have anything to do with him you know um so she was there the other night she showed up with him for something the other night at his retirement home in florida Mm -hmm. but uh but yeah she's she's you know been it's you know yeah yeah, she wasn't hired for that but if if biden you know if if that was the case with Biden, you know, and you never saw him with Jill, they they, they would make a huge issue out of it. You yeah, know? of course they would. Of course. Um, let me go to uh, Gordon in Illinois. Gordon, thank you for waiting on hold. You're on Sirius XM with Frank Conniff and me. Hello. Hi there. I think Frank will appreciate this, too. Uh, um, it's a little off topic, but, John, I know how much you like uh, musical birthdays. Yes. Today is the uh, birthday of... It would have been the 93rd birthday of one of the most influential songwriters that nobody's ever heard of in rock and roll, uh, Otis Blackwell. Oh, okay. oh yeah. you know what? I saw Otis Blackwell when I, you know, back in the 70s or the early 80s. I worked at the Bitter End in New York and he performed there. So I saw him perform. I never the, knew you the worked there. critic? Huh? No, that's... <laughs> Not Mr. Blackwell, you Philistine. Go back to your puzzle, Chris. We're talking. No, the guy, but he, to he, be wrote, he fair, wrote Great Balls of Fire, didn't he? He wrote Great Balls of Fire, Otis Blackwell. He wrote Great Balls of but, Fire. He wrote Fever. He wrote All Shook Up. He wrote uh, Return to Sender. He gave Elvis his sound. He gave uh, wow. Jerry Lee Lewis his sound. Yeah. yeah. Look, look the guy up. He wrote, the, no, he wrote. No, he wrote. He wrote. Don't be. He wrote. Don't be. He wrote. Don't be cruel, too. Right. Don't be cruel. Uh, and, and, uh, he and, wrote Handyman. Being, but but uh, speaking of being off topic, though, this brings up something that's really on my mind. Is that <laughs> I think 
the absolute, you know, the trend, the trend in TV shows and movies of of dark, slow, ironic versions of otherwise upbeat songs. Um, yeah, they're, they're like in every it reached its peak. A lot of movie trailers it, have the very slow, yeah. plotting, deliberate, menacing it, covers it reached, of Umbop. It reached, it, it reached its peak in the uh, recent closing credits of an episode of the the new season of true detective when it was an acapella dark slow um haunting moody version of, of twist and shout oh god <laughs> like, oh my god well I, you've got to be I, fucking I kidding that me one. yeah <laughs> i haven't heard that one i'm gonna have to look it up but i will tell you on youtube the, i can't remember the guy's name but there's a terrific uh, there's a guy that loves to take major key stuff and turn it into minor. Uh, and he did a mm-hmm. minor key version of the um, Toys R Us jingle. <laughs> and it we is, are so it, in the weeds, man. Freak. We're in the. <laughs> we're like Find Moses it, at this listen point. Listen to it; it will make you happy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, when you remember the guy's name, call us up and let us know. We'll be looking for the slow plotting version of the Toys R Us theme, Gordon. Thank you so much. Uh, today is also the birthday of uh, of Lavar Burton, who I was on an episode of uh, of Becker with. Apparently, he's done other TV shows beyond that. And uh, and friend of the show, Ice T, was born this date in 1958. Frank, I don't know if you've heard. Matt Gates going through some mm-hmm. stuff, Frank. Uh, Matt Gates oh, might really? not be having the I best don't, year. Uh, I, lately, I haven't trafficked in Matt Gates stuff. Really, that's too bad. Uh, Matt Gates is—he's been very juvenile. He's, he, he's so juvenile he, mm-hmm. he he pays himself on Venmo. Uh, the new inf- <laughs> and here's the thing about Matt Gates: it's not about it's about what they're leaking. And this week we were told we learned he allegedly asked a young woman who had been paid for sex work by one of his friends to come with him on a trip to Florida in 2017, which I think is trafficking. Um, And they got these text messages where Gates, as a freshman, is saying to the woman um, to come on a private plane with, uh, as he put it, two guys, four girls, a very high quality adventurous group. And when she agreed to go, Gates Mm. allegedly texted, fantastic, as is true with all the time you spend with me, it'll be fun and chill. And this woman had previously been paid by his friend Joel Greenberg to go to parties and have sex with Matt Gates. And Joel Greenberg, Mm. of course, pled guilty to multiple federal charges, including sex trafficking. Frank, it is very possible that when we get to the end of this year, uh, Kevin McCarthy and Matt Gates and George Santos may all be out of a job. Oh, we can only hope. You know, it 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 feels like most of the time, like these people don't uh, don't suffer consequences for their and 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 you know, uh, George Santos. Sure, he lost his congressional seat, but he's a star on OnlyFans, from what I hear. You know? <laughs> he's a star on Cameo. Has he, so has he branched out to OnlyFans? Ca- or that... Cameo, yeah, or Cameo or OnlyFans, one of those Yeah, a little bit, and, little, uh, little bit different. Because uh, uh, if he's on OnlyFans, that could that could bring me to celibacy, quite honestly. I could I could finally... Oh, what probably it. happened is he's big on Cameo, but he lied about it and said it was OnlyFans. There we go. But, he's uh, on Only Cameo fans he, right now, where if you pay uh, money, they was send another you a great... sex tape. That was another great thing that happened this week. Speaking of great things, was that 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 seat flipped Democratic. This week has been bonkers, Mister Conniff. Just been crazy. Let me go Ooh. back to the phone. Hello to Brian in Oregon. Brian, you're on with TV's Frank. What's oh, up? Oh, hi you guys. Um, hi. Hi Frank. 
And um, I hey. have nothing off topic, I don't think, except um, to see George Santos in the movies, you got to have those special glasses. <laughs> and why is this? Because <laughs> he's such a weirdo. He's, he's beyond 3D. Okay. So you need better than... He, I, I believe you. I actually think George. I actually think George Santos looks better if you cover your face with a lead mask. But that's just me. I think, I think just don't even. Also, all his movies are in the non non sense around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think in the, yeah in the uh, spam around liar. Yeah. yeah, and the movies cost ten dollars, but when you get home, you find your entire wallet's empty. <laughs> exactly. exactly, and no credit cards left. Um, that's right. But um, I, I, I think um, just on uh, – it's been rolling around in my head is this Ben-Hur uh, report on um, Biden is just so obscene what, what that guy did. I was a little behind eight ball. We've been have, having lambs and whatnot. But, oh. um, but, uh, um, is that why you said the Ben-Hur report on, on, on Biden? Because no, no, I would I, read I, the Ben-Hur report. I missed it's the fantastic. ben Hur. I hear that guy's name. I, it, I, I, I hear like <laughs> Stephen Boyd comes off really bad in it from what yeah, I but, but But Heston's yeah. legs look great. <laughs> yeah, well, he's like, and he's got the corrupt uh, chariot, right? Yeah, so, it's Bob, Bob yes, Her, right? Exactly. And that's another thing. Like, I, like, no, where is Merrick Hur. Garland? Like, what? Like, who? Who is? Who is? Who is taking Merrick Garland's temperature to make sure he's still alive? That that personal bit of non-medical diagnoses about Joe Biden was allowed to make it into that report. It's almost like he's saying Biden's innocent. He's saying Trump did it, well, and then he's realizing, oh, a little too much truth. I got to throw some red meat in there, so I'll still get invited to the Nazi parties. I mean, Frank, like, there was no reason for that to be there. Well, he's just he's just thinking of the New York Times op-ed columnists who who love that <laughs> shit and yeah. and went to and they fucking went to town with it too. You better believe it. it was like five columns the next day about about it and and they they the same thing the New York Times did with the uh, Mueller report where you know they 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 didn't report about the substance of it. They they reported on Bill Barr's interpretation of it was that uh, was that uh, Donald Trump was cleared in it, and that's how that's the right. New York Times reported it because Bill Barr got it first, and then that's that's how he put it out, and that's how the New York Times interpreted. They they. They they love both sides and things like crazy at the New York. Times. I know, I know. And Brian, th- thank you for the call, Brian. I appreciate it. We got to go to break, but before we do, you know, Ezra Klein just came out in an audio essay and said that Joe Biden has to, for the good of the nation, step aside and let someone take his place. And I respect Ezra Klein tremendously, but I'm like, who? Who is going to get 270 electoral votes, beat Donald Trump again, and be able to do anything with a Congress as divided as this? It's easy to say Joe Biden should step aside and let someone younger take the reins. Frank, who are they talking about? Who is the younger person that can get the electoral votes and beat Trump? Because uh, I love Kamala, but she's gonna, she's not gonna. No, I don't think she's Chris. It's Chris Housefeld. Yeah, it's you, Chris. That's it. Go ahead. By the end of this decade, I will show a man my moon. <laughs> You'll want to start fasting now. Okay, quick break. We'll be right back in just a moment with more of your calls. This is Progress After Dark. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. We are back with TV's Frank. Frank Conniff. Hello, sir. Hey, hey, hey. Um, Frank, I'm so happy you're here. It's time for some Stephen from Kentucky. Hello, Stephen. Um, hello. Uh, Frank, I, did you say that you were ill earlier? Is that what was going on? I didn't happen to hear everything. And if that's the oh, case, um, you're doing well. I, wasn't, I was, was ill in, but I wasn't ill. Oh, dear, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't, I <laughs> that's didn't from his 80s rap thing. crew. Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't hear the whole thing. I apologize. I did um, mention, I might have mentioned it in my, in my uh, heart surgery, but that was like five years ago or whatever. Oh, I'm, Already. I, I'm sorry. I got confused. I didn't understand. Mm. Um, I, uh, I, I needed to have a little bit of relaxation, Think, and I appreciate the fact that I'm on right now because... Um, I, I have some things to say, and people are not going to like them, and I'm sorry they don't like them. I'm entitled okay. to my opinion. Well, make them as quick as you can. Else. We have a lot of callers. Go, lay, lay them on us, Stephen. We're ready. Well, okay. I uh, had a chance to call the White House myself, and I wrote a nice little note. I also wrote one to Mr. Harrison, too. Okay. This is my proposal. I said, I do have respect for the service of President Biden and Vice President Harris, and I appreciate what they have accomplished to bring us back from the brink after the previous fiasco. Mm. But at this point in time, I do believe Biden should step out, should bow out graciously. I think the new campaign, whether it is Governor Gretchen Whitmer, former U.S. First Lady Michelle Obama, Secretary Pete arrive. Buttigieg, or Governor yeah. Gavin Newsom, should retain the caliber of the incumbent as a presidential advisor. This right. would also provide the opportunity for the current administration to quest towards ending the war abroad in Israel and seeking a peaceful two-state solution, which it seems like they do favor both the Israelis and the Palestinians, but also with this Russia thing that's going on right now. Yes. I don't know what kind of game Vladimir Putin is trying to play, because I heard yesterday he comes out and favors Biden. I don't believe that. I believe no, you should not believe Trump. that. Correct. He's trying to make every gaslight everybody, but I'm going to tell you right Correct. now, and I'm sorry, but I have, I've seen their charts, those astrological charts, and I do not feel good about this. I think Trump, I'm, I'm saying this... Uh, <laughs> Wait a second. Whose I'm charts sorry, do you not I'm feel sorry. good about? I'm now now you've got me intrigued, because have you done, like, Gavin Newsom and Pete Buttigieg's charts to see how they I do against Trump? I haven't charts. No, I have seen Biden's chart and Trump's oh. chart. That's why I'm saying this, because okay. if people can say whatever the hell they want to. But you know Michelle point. Obama's not going to run. You know that's not going to happen, right? I don't think um, she will. I'm just saying that as an example. 
Okay. I I don't, uh, of all the people you named, of the people you named, they're all fine public servants, and they and they all should run at some point. Maybe Gavin Newsom, with very little name recognition, could beat Donald Trump. But I'm, it, it's not a lock for me. I still think Biden has an easier shot, and I know that's fraught with peril. And he's honest, got, and honest he, and we, we, under, we underestimated him last time around, don't forget. Well, you know yeah. what, though, with all due respect, this is not last time around. Trump, and, and I'm saying this because of this ageism issue. I agree. Trump is not getting enough, it is not getting enough traction with him. He is losing his marbles daily. We that, all know That's going to become more obvious. Names that's, and faces and events. That's going to become much more obvious. It's two guys well, who are three it, years well, apart. you know what, though, with, with all due respect... The fact is that if Biden steps aside and we get a new candidate, then obviously maybe Mother Nature will take care of Donald Trump with his mind going the way it is. And maybe well, then Nikki Haley will get the nomination and then we can move on. But I'm okay, just saying no, I don't want that either. Nikki Haley could be Joe Biden. I don't know if Donald Trump can, but I think instead I of Mother Nature, let's wait look, for the judicial branch to take its course, because Donald Trump will oh, be a yeah, convicted we, felon by November. Yeah, we see and how he's that's gonna, going. Yeah, All we right. see how that's going with the Supreme Court. Yeah, okay. March 25th is first. Going. He's got a trial starting March 25th, and the Fed trial will start as soon as that wraps, Stephen. Well, you have to pardon me, but I don't have I don't have any zero. I have zero faith in the justice system right now. With I know. What happened last no, week? With the dis- they should have disqualified him. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I don't share your enthusiasm. I really well, I, I wouldn't and, describe it as enthusiasm. I'm not medicated enough for that, but I'm not going to well, be full of I terror for the next few months. I refuse to let Donald Trump affect my emotional state, Stephen. Well, I won't let him happen. Won't, won't give him the power. But I, I got to run. I got nineteen thousand callers, my friend. I thank you so very much, yeah, Frank. Thanks any, for any, calling. Yeah, any no, comments, I mean, Frank? I, I, you know, he's uh, the one thing he said that that, that I found a, a kernel of what I might agree with is that if if Biden didn't run for re-election, he might be um, it might free him up to to be better about Israel and Gaza, you know. Yeah, and, I agree. And and be You're be right. more um, bold on things like that, and be more bold. It's a really solid on, point. Yeah, that that I that I agreed with, but but. Uh, um, you know me, when he mentioned astrological signs, I was, uh, you know. I'm ready to I see was, Biden just go all the way and be Grandpa Bullworth and just say whatever the fuck he wants, because that, yeah, would, that yeah. would definitely make me lean in. Richie in L.A. before the break. You're on with TV's Frank. Hey, Frank. Hey, Chris. Hey, Thea. Hey, John. Um, Hello. Actually, there was a song written about the about the little tiff between um, Eric Idle. And John Cleese. It was called oh, was Always there? Look at the Bright Side of Strife. <laughs> Is wow. that true? Damien, why do you hurt me? Damien, why do you hurt me? I'm nostalgic for the Arnold Palmer joke now. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you forgot that um, the great thing about cel- Celebrity Apprentice, it revived Brett and Michael's career. <laughs> you know, you should know that Richie actually has a green screen with a with a with a brick wall on it behind him while he's in the basement <laughs> making this phone call. We can't see it, but he's doing that. it. I didn't get that. I didn't get that Brett Michaels uh, joke. I, I'm not I sure it was a joke. But, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. it was a name drop. What else you got, Rich? Uh, what else have I got? I, you know, I you're talking about Jill Biden. I I love Jill. I think she's great. I think this is the time when nobody's paying attention to her. Where she can learn how to pronounce bodega and si se puede. 
Because I root for her. She's open-minded. She can't pronounce yeah. Spanish words. This okay. is the most. This is the most avant-garde phone call I've ever uh, heard of. It's really good, uh, wow. Richie. Richie, I think you're ready for the Jerry Langford show. <laughs> no, I'm glad because you, you, I, like I said, you, you open with your strong stuff, Richie. That's what I told you, and I'm glad to see you're doing it. So I this just, is great. I'm not, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying I don't understand any of Comedically, it. Comedically, you're like a, lo- a strong lead-off batter with these jokes. Oh, thank you. Low batting average, high slugging percentage. Um, what was I gonna? Oh yeah, if you want to hear more of my jokes, you come to the NoHo Diner. Very nice. Okay, tonight, thank you, Richie. Well, tonight, you're from you. You're playing tonight at the NoHo Diner. Everyone is. Um, oh, is it a comedy show, or will you just be like in the men's room working on the stuff? No, the men's room's not clean enough, but in the patio. <laughs> right on, man. Richie's you actually very, be- very funny. Well, thank, thank you. You, uh, you call here anytime and plug your gigs, man. Okay. Well, thank you, Richie. From the, every Friday, every Saturday. Okay. Ooh. One of these nights, I'll one of these nights I'll stumble out of here and I'll come crash your show. Thank you so much, okay. Rich. I appreciate it. 